This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We've got two leaders in transplant with us today. We have Dr. Eugene Goltz and Dr. Kamyar Afshar. Dr. Goltz and Dr. Afshar run the transplant program at UCSD. Uh, Dr. Goltz is, I think, in charge of the program. Dr. Afshar is a leading professor in the area as well and a leading physician in the area too. They're going to talk us about what have you seen in transplant issues today? About they're also going to talk about the UCSD program and how COVID has impacted transplants. Um, Dr. Goltz, can you introduce yourself? Then I'll ask Dr. Afshar to do the same. Sure. Uh, Eugene Goltz, um, briefly about myself, was born in Ukraine and uh, got a nursing degree there, immigrated to the United States uh, by myself, and uh, then decided to pursue a career in uh, medicine, so repeated my undergrad at Santa Clara and uh, went to Loyola in Chicago for medical school and then came to San Diego and uh, loved the program here, so did my surgical residency here and the fellowship in cardiothoracic surgery, and I've been on staff at UCSD. Um, and for the last uh, four years, I've been uh, uh, the surgical director of the lung transplant program. And this is, this is my what, what, what a magnificent journey and career from the Ukraine to UCSD and, and a couple big steps. Dr. Afshar, tell us about your background and um, introduce yourself. Yes, uh, thanks for the invitation. Um, I was born in uh, Iran. Um, my family and I, we immigrated after the Iranian Revolution to here in the United States. Uh, I was raised in San Diego since the age of four. I went to medical school in uh, Arizona at the Arizona College of Osteopathic Medicine. I then matched into uh, internship residency and stayed on as uh, a fellow and attending at the University of Southern California's uh, Pulmonary Critical Care Program. In 2015, I moved down here to UC San Diego and uh, have been serving as the medical director for our lung transplant program over the last several years. So what an amazing world we have that due to the fortune in the United States of both of you coming here, we have a magnificent lung transplant program at UCSD. So what an amazing story and journey. Dr. Goltz, why don't I start with you? Tell us okay. what are a few of the big issues you're seeing in transplant today? What are the big issues that are that people are that are on people's minds when they think about transplant programs? Well, I mean, I think in general, whenever whenever we uh, talk about the um, uh, the transplant programs, uh, there are several issues that uh, are always on the mind of everyone who is involved, right? It's uh, the first issue is, of course, the issue of the recipient selection, uh, because we want to make sure that uh, um, the folks who are going through this operation or going through this whole uh, process, um, number one, indeed need the lung transplant. Number two, uh, they <clears throat> uh, can benefit uh, uh, from the lung transplant in a meaningful way. Number two is the donor selection and um, allocation. Um, utilizing the principles of uh, uh, fairness, uh, delivering the greatest good, um, and uh, trying to utilize as many organs as, the, uh, as possible. 
And uh, of course, post-transplant phase, which is the uh, treatment for the um, prevention and treatment of the uh, lung transplant rejection and treatment of the infection, the post-operative care is always a walking, if you will, the edge of the knife, uh, trying to balance the risk of infections with the risk of rejection. Um, I, I would like, if possible, to tell you uh, about the, the, the donor um, allocation and what we do at UCSD. <coughs> Excuse me. As you know, uh, or you might know, there are um, a lot of people on the wait list in the United States. I think we have almost a thousand people on the lung transplant waiting list. Um, and probably realistically many more thousands that can actually benefit from the lung transplant. And the limiting factor in the number of transplants that we can perform is the uh, availability of donors. So with that in mind, um, we uh, make conscientious effort to increase the donor pool available to our waiting list patients. Um, we, as uh, was, was gaining the experience and expertise, we've started um, uh, expanding the criteria for the donors, going from the donors with the traditional criteria, moving on to the more um, uh, to, uh, to to the more challenging uh, situations. And the goal is to make sure that when you take uh, when when you when you receive this precious gift um, uh, from the uh, from the donor and he, his or her family that we're actually able to use these organs use these lungs uh, to help our patients to that extent we've uh, we've been uh, using the perfusion machines that allow us to perfuse and resuscitate in many cases the lungs um, outside uh, of the body and test them essentially prior to implantation. And that, that significantly increased our, um, uh, uh, the number of donors available to our patients. Um, the other thing, and this is, uh, um, uh, we're kind of right on the cutting edge of this, is using the donors uh, with the uh, certain diseases that uh, in the past would, would, would disqualify um, uh, the organs from being transplanted, but uh, now, uh, and one of those is, of course, hepatitis C. As uh, many of you know, the, um, there is an epidemic, essentially, of uh, uh, hepatitis C ongoing in the, in the world and in the United States, with a prevalence anywhere between 1 and 1.9% of the population, which, if you think of the population of the United States, is not a trivial number. Um, we, in the past, we would discard those organs. Now, um, if you will, we have a silver bullet for treatment of the hepatitis C or many strains of the hepatitis C. So in many cases, we're able to utilize those lungs and actually transplant, uh, transplant uh, use these lungs for the transplant and then treat the recipient for the hepatitis C, which is actually very uh, mild and well-tolerated treatment, which is almost 100% successful uh, on the first pass and essentially 100% successful period. Uh, so with that, we kind of like, we're trying to really be the intermediary between the donor families and the, um, and as I said, kind of this, this priceless, in, in my opinion, gift um, and the recipient families or, and the recipients themselves 
who really, really need those organs. So what a, what a magnificent thing to be able to use more of the organs, particularly when you have this greatest shortfall of lungs to transplant. Dr. Afshar, are there a couple other points or issues or trends maybe you could talk about? How has COVID impacted harvesting? Has there been a greater shortage of lungs this year for transplantation or organs generally? <laughs> What's been the impact of COVID on the transplant programs throughout the country? Yeah, um, it's a great question, which we're we're delving into um, as an ongoing basis in, uh, starting uh, last year. Um, you know, as, as our program is at the forefront of surgical approaches and medical therapies to improve the viability of organ donor lungs, we also are looking at the long-term survival for our lung and heart lung transplant recipients. And we're also looking at them as a multi-organ uh, uh, transplantation with regards to even the liver and the kidneys. Uh, I mention this because, uh, as most people know, um, the pulmonary physicians are also intensivists. And they've been forced to change their medical practice to meet the demands of the ICU care. Uh, their outpatient practice has been scaled down uh, in the in-person visits. Some have been utilizing telemedicine to monitor the patients, but the disadvantages for the advanced lung disease cases is the lack of the ability to fully appreciate the onsets of pulmonary exacerbations. So we have taken on uh, much sicker patients for the routine evaluations. Uh, we see them and immediately have to admit them to the hospital, stabilize the condition while expediting a lung transplant evaluation. COVID has also impacted capacities of facilities. Uh, most centers have still been able to uh, provide this life-saving uh, treatment for patients while minimizing some of the elective cases. But nonetheless, uh, every facility has, has been facing those challenges. Um, you heard about some of the donor selection uh, opportunities, but uh, as you know, uh, patients may be subjected to COVID and the serious infections can lead them into the ICU, uh, requiring mechanical ventilation and then the complications of developing what's called acute respiratory distress syndrome and developing pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, the infection itself is uh, beyond just an infection. It has some immunological effects and blood vessel issues. So a lot of these patients can be subjected to developing blood clots in the arteries and the veins. Uh, they have uh, heart attacks, um, heart failure, and also strokes and uh, inflammation in the brain. Uh, so those are all capacities of uh, limitation for uh, patients to become recipients uh, when they do develop the complications related to COVID infections and also from the donor uh, selection challenges. Last, with regards to patients who've already been transplanted and they're immunocompromised, they're definitely much more vulnerable to developing these serious complications from COVID due to their uh, immune status being lowered to lessen the risk of uh, lung transplant rejections. Dr. Afshar, another question for you. How did this become your life's work? Just a little bit of background on how this became your life's work. Well, I, I first started off with uh, wanting to be a surgeon doc like Dr. Goltz, um, but my personality is, is, was a little bit more along the lines of uh, looking how I can do uh, therapies on the medical side as well. 
Um, I got the thrill of uh, the ICU care. Um, and then when I was a second year resident, uh, I, I saw how transplant in general is a life-saving uh, aspect. And once you get uh, bit by this uh, transplant bug, it's hard to, to let it go. Um, on the pulmonary side, there's, uh, you have to have expertise for uh, many medical conditions and that uh, control from a medical standpoint um, gives me a, a big uh, reward uh, to help patients. Dr. Gold, similar question for you. How did this become your life's work? Well, I'm, <laughs> um, growing up in a family of engineers, but uh, my, my idol was uh, my uncle, who was a physician. Um, he was a war hero and um, was one of the surgeons in, the, uh, in essentially the MESH unit. Um, and uh, so I decided to pursue the career in medicine. Um, and in medicine, I think uh, I really enjoyed, the, um, uh, enjoyed performing surgery and kind of uh, taking on the sickest patients. Uh, but at the same time, uh, besides the purely technical aspects of it, I also also enjoyed the interaction uh, with the patients and understanding of the medical problems. And um, so transplant kind of affords both. I mean, those are probably the most challenging patients that we take care of in the hospital uh, because um, the... Uh, uh, before the surgery, they're, they're, they're usually extremely sick. And uh, after the surgery, there is a, a host of uh, medical issues that need to be addressed on a long-term basis. And being able to participate in all aspects of that care is um, uh, important. And uh, quite honestly, um, the most satisfying aspect of that is going in we usually we have kind of holiday parties um we didn't have one during this weird year of course for obvious reasons but we usually have holidays parties when we uh, when we invite all the staff that participates in care of the transplant patients and we invite all the uh, transplant recipients um and it's you these days it's a it's a huge gathering and uh, um it is extremely rewarding and probably the most rewarding thing is seeing people um, getting a second lease of life if you if you would I mean the, it's quite a terrible thing to 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 be struggling for each and every breath uh, you take and when when we see people uh, being able to lead essentially normal lives um, after the transplant there there's there nothing like it Dr. Goltz, Dr. Afsar, simply remarkable what you both do. Thank you for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. Thank you for inviting us. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having us.